the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. All right, back with you, Dave Ellswick Show. Scott Stewart is here mm-hmm. by himself. It's like old times, Dave. It is. It is. This is Look, the way I don't have anybody else in here, but that's pretty cool. Yeah, having like him was. back. The Bible guy. The Bible guy. Yeah, that's There's the way it now guys uh, that are taking part in this, and we're going to start off with uh, welcoming uh, Andrew Farley. Uh, to the show. He's written a new book called Twisted Scripture. Andrew, how you doing, brother? Hey, doing great, Dave. How are you? We're, do- we're doing fine. Just so you'll know, this is a part of my show each week that we spend an hour taking questions from our listeners about uh, what they think about, you know, Christianity and religion in general or no religion and things of that nature. And uh, Scott, uh, who is a theologian, and he's uh, a pastor here in the area at Agape Church. And uh, we look at things from a Judeo-Christian perspective, not a Christian perspective, a Judeo-Christian perspective, which we used to say all the time, but the Judeo part of it seems to be forgotten a lot of times. So that's why when I teach classes, a lot of times I look at people and I say, you know that uh, Jesus was a Jew, right? <laughs> you know? <laughs> and it gets interesting. Get it gets interesting. Yeah, I get yeah. shocked faces about that. So, why'd you write the book, first of all, Andrew? Why don't we start off there? Yeah, well, I mean, I was 19 years old and I was on the floor of my apartment and I was begging God for answers. I was saying, God, I'm doing everything the Christian world says to do. I, I'm reading my Bible four and five hours a day, I'm sharing my faith with every single person that I meet. I'm in the church, uh, you know, every time the doors are open, and God, I just, I don't feel like I'm growing spiritually, I don't feel any closer to you, and I just, I discovered that my formula was broken, and I basically had to ask God to, to teach me all over again. I had a focus on what I was doing for God instead of what God has done for me, and so, you know, this book, Twisted Scripture, it's it's designed to really free people up to put uh, scripture in context and to everything from passages like, is, is God going to say, depart from me? Is God going to spew you out of his mouth? Is God going to uh, delete you from the book of life? We got a lot of Christians who are just petrified. They're not sure about what God thinks of them. So this book is designed to put those difficult passages in, in context and free people up in the love and grace of God. So I got a, a, I've heard a good s- story. I won't say story. It's I think it's biblically based that God doesn't send anybody to hell. You know, we erase our own names from the book of life. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, God is not a, a, a death dealer. He's a life giver. And, you know, you go back to the garden and you look at what happened there. I mean, God didn't say in the day you eat of this, I'm going to kill you. He said he's warning them. He said in the day you eat of this, you will die. So that was a warning out of love and concern for them. So God's not sending people to hell. 
that's just a, a natural consequence of being in Adam. And thank God there's a way out of Adam. We mm-hmm. can be in Christ. I mean, thank God for rescue. I'm going to let, I'm going to go ahead and let Scott get in on this discussion too because I think it's going to be a really an eye-opening discussion. You know, our our faith is supposed to set us free mm-hmm. through Jesus. It's supposed to set us free, but for many people, they put themselves in prison for not understanding scripture. Let me turn that over to you, Scott. Yeah, and uh, from uh, from the way that we have seen this so many times is people because of their lack of understanding or their misunderstanding to what the scripture has to say, they find themselves uh, bound up. And I'm assuming, Andrew, that's what your what your book is doing is meant to is meant to bring people into some place of liberation. Is that right? Yes, as they start to recognize God actually loves them and mm-hmm. likes them and has forgiven them in Jesus, and you know that we're clean and close to God rather than dirty and distant all the time. Right, right. And does that does that um, is it um, is it your position that it is it's solely based upon uh, the um, God's love for us, or do we also have responsibility? And I say it only because as a pastor for many years. Um, I find that everybody wants a Savior, but very few people want a Lord. And he has to be both or he can be neither. And obviously a Lord tells you how to live your life and gives you instructions on what you should believe and how you should conduct yourself. Um, and uh, there are some people who, who, are, um, who are wanting a Savior without a Lord part. And there's obviously a balance to our life uh, with uh, not earning God's love, but being able to show that we love God by walking out the responsibilities we have in life. Yeah, what I've found for that is, uh, Scott, there's this bridge, I believe, in Scripture. As we discover our new identity in Christ, the whole thing comes together. I mean, I want to be obedient, but what a revelation it is to discover Romans 6, where it says, I was a slave of sin, but now I've become obedient from the heart. And so to recognize that real salvation is a heart surgery— uh, real salvation is an exchange of our spiritual heart. So we get new spiritual desires, new spiritual passions. And I think that as Christians, when we discover this new heart that we have, this obedient heart, it really helps bring all that together. So I start seeing that God and I, I mean, God and I are on the same team. It's not, it's not God or me. It's God and me together. I'm united with Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection. So that union with Jesus, I think, just, just brings it together for people. Okay. That, I mean, I would certainly not uh, disagree with uh, that. But with uh, just working off your analogy, uh, and I haven't read your book, so I can't comment to that, but uh, working off your analogy, analogy of, of a team, um, in order to, to be a part of a team, there obviously has to be rules to play by. Uh, and so I'm not, I'm assuming you're not suggesting that we don't have any more rules to live by. Well, uh, the difference is I, when in, in talking about that new heart, that's where the rules are written. So right. if the rules were written on tablets of stone, let's say, then you would experience what Israel did. And, you know, Paul put it best when he said, I'm doing the very thing I don't want to do. I agree that the law is good, but I'm, do- I'm not doing it. I'm not obeying it. So I think the beautiful difference for us as a new covenant believers living on this side of the cross with Christ living in us is that we have God's desires written on our hearts 
So uh, that changes everything. You know, Paul says it's not about do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. You know, Colossians 2, it's, it's not about external human rules. It's about letting Christ rule and letting his desires, which are actually etched on the lining of our hearts, letting him rule. Uh, that's the internal leading of Christ. And I think that's where we live from. All right. So let me, I'm, I wanted to ask you a question about the, the, the there were some suggested uh, questions here. There was one that was really good because you took something that Paul said and you kind of turned it on its side a little bit to make us think of it in a different way. You said too much grace will cause you to sin even more. Of course, Paul said, and, and debunked the belief that, well, if, if we're, you know, saved by grace and, and grace uh, forgives all sin, then, Lord, then we should be sinning more so grace would abound. Uh, it's kind of interesting what you have said here. Explain your different way of saying that. Yeah, so people think that grace is dangerous, and I like to say that grace is only dangerous for the enemy. There's nothing dangerous about God's grace. When we actually look at the Bible and what it says, it says, sin will not master you because you are under grace. So apparently being under grace is not only safe, uh, but it's victorious. It's a place of victory, uh, not defeat. So we shouldn't be scared of God's grace. Telling telling someone that they need to um, temper God's grace or balance God's grace, it, it's like telling them they need to cut cut out that victory stuff, <laughs> because grace is what empowers us. We've got a new identity by grace. Grace is more than forgiveness. Uh, grace means also that we have Christ in us and that we're in Him. So there's a whole lot to grace. Grace is a powerful inspiration. Like Titus 2 says, the grace of God teaches us to say no to sin and to live upright lives. So we shouldn't be worried about too much grace because you can't have too much victory over sin. So you wouldn't be uh, subscribing to what uh, I would call a hyper grace uh, teaching. Well, I'm definitely hyper about grace, but I, think, uh, <laughs> I guess what I guess I what I mean is uh, people position grace as the antithesis to the law of God that's been written on our heart. Well, so it's interesting. I, I don't think that the Jewish law is written on our heart. Um, wow. 600, yeah, 613 commands in the Jewish law. I don't think that I have avoid shellfish written on my heart or avoid pork written on my heart. I don't think that I have uh, no work on Saturdays written on my heart. It's interesting. The New Testament actually reframes that um, as Hebrews says, I will write my laws, plural, on your heart. Uh, changing the Old Testament, quote, law to a different word, laws. And I think the New Testament writer does that uh, because we don't, we don't have Moses. We don't have 613 laws written on our heart. The, the new covenant commands are believe in Jesus and love others, even as I have loved you. And he says these commands are not burdensome, John writes. Robert, he's, so referring, to, had, he's referring to the Ten Commandments when he says that. No, there's no mention of Moses anywhere in that chapter. It doesn't have to. It doesn't have to because he says there. He says, "What is the love of God that we love God and keep His God's that is commandments." Right, and two chapters prior, he defines the commandments. He says these are His commands 
to believe in Jesus and love others, even as he has loved us. So right. he defines what commands are, but of and course then you, he tells us. You would believe, yeah. you would you would agree that the Bible is not schizophrenic, and it doesn't contradict itself. So when we, we no, start off— two covenants. There's two covenants, yeah. Right. There's one—it's an old covenant and a new covenant. Actually, there's many old covenants. Uh, we right. would all We would all agree that the covenant of Noah is still in effect, wouldn't you? Yeah, but let's not get away from the core question that you asked me. There's not a single mention of Moses in First John in regard to those commandments. But when it so, says the commandments of God, it's self-explanatory. Like when you go back to Romans, it says here, When the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, they that are without the law confirm that the law of God has been written upon their heart, their conscience bearing witness with them, accusing or excusing them. So the, the law of God yeah. is written. As a matter of fact, if you look at what the new covenant is— the New Covenant, in fact, if you look at Hebrews 8, which I'm sure you've already done, the New Covenant is defined. It's actually the longest quote in the Bible. So Hebrews 8 is the longest quote of any book in the Bible, and that comes out of Jeremiah 31. And it tells us right. that the New Covenant has been written on our heart. And if you look in there, it says in there that it's the law of God that is written upon our heart. Therefore, the New Covenant— well, that's what I, Yeah, that's what I just finished clarifying. It doesn't say law. It says laws. And the Hebrew writer does that on purpose because the New Covenant laws— are not 613 things from Judaism. We're not running around with Judaism written on our new heart. We're not Gentiles with Jewish laws written on our hearts. That's not the gospel message. What is the gospel message then? the, The gospel message with regard to this is exactly what the author John said in his epistle. When you read through five straight chapters of 1 John, and there's not a single mention of Moses or Ten Commandments, you have to ask yourself, John, how are you defining commandments in your letter? Because the only way the that they, the only way they, could, on, the only way on. they could define commandments are the, the words of the commandments that they've always always known. No, there was no you're such ignoring thing. what I said. You're ignoring what I said. In chapter so. three, it says, in chapter three, listen carefully to this now. In chapter three, it says, these are his commands to believe in Jesus and love others, even as I have loved you. And then two chapters later, it says these commands are not burdensome. So that's the commands in context. And if we're going to throw Moses in there, we're inventing that out of the blue. It's not in the letter. You have to take the whole Bible in context, not just They didn't have the whole Bible. Correct. They had no such thing as the New Testament as we know it until 380 after uh, in A.D. So the uh, 380 years of the church's life had no such thing as a New Testament. And when they did get it, they said so things like they said things like the this. They said things the like this when they finally did get the New Testament. They said all Scripture this, this, is good for is edification, this exhortation, is, comfort. It went on down the line. Exactly, this is exactly the bondage that I wrote this book Whoa. of Scripture to get people out of. Oh, my gosh. Do you believe God's Word is bondage, my friend? No, Jesus no. is the Word made flesh. And if you believe, the, the law, if you believe right? that having only one God is bondage, if you believe that being faithful to your wife is bondage, if you believe not stealing is bondage, if you believe the Ten Commandments are bondage, I don't know. Who said anything about that? You're that's confident. the law of God. That is the law of God, yeah, is it but not? Mike, but, hey, that are, is the law of God. To know what I, do you want to know what I think or not? Is that the law of God or not? I want to know what you think. Is that the law of God, the Ten Commandments? Yes, that's the law okay, of God. Okay, and you're, and you're in also, opposition to that? It's also, it's also Jesus' character, and he lives in me. 
so I can trust him. Jesus is never going to lead me to steal. If you'll you'll listen to what I'm saying, I'm not pro-stealing. I'm not pro-murder. That's absurd. Right. So what what I'm saying is, is that Jesus's character is trustworthy. It's not Jesus plus 613 commands. No one's saying that. Well, we have to be careful because when you tell people that the law of Moses, the Old Testament law is written on their hearts, a practical implication of that is that the Holy Spirit is inspiring you to avoid shrimp. And that that is not the New Testament message. I don't know why you keep picking out such obscure laws that are actually what we know in the Bible. We know them to be identification codes. There was no Gentile who ever believed in the, in the one God, Yahweh, who was ever required to keep the food laws. Well, the law is an all-or-nothing proposition. No, it is not. It is not. There's, yes. an, enti- there's, an, quote, there's, an, entire, there's an entire section of laws only for the Levites. If you were the well, tribe of Judah, you did interested. not have to keep the you tribe. You're, you're not interested in what I think, because Galatians says, Cursed is everyone who does not continue to obey everything written in the book of the law. James says if you keep the whole law and stumble in one point, you're guilty of all of it. So the law is an all-or-nothing proposition. We you, have no right to pick ten no, commandments. You, no, you're, you're t- you don't. You don't. You don't understand the co- full context of what law is. I mean, we have today. There are certain laws that apply in Little Rock that don't apply outside the city limits. There are certain laws that apply in a gated community that wouldn't apply outside. Uh, there are certain laws that apply to farming in America or fishing. We have rules for everything. There are certain laws that were written in the Torah that only apply to the Levites. Certain laws only apply to the king. Certain laws only apply if you were living in a walled city. Certain laws only apply if you were living in Jerusalem. If you were a and Jew were living about- outside, if you were living a Jew outside, living outside the city, you didn't have to keep the same laws in the city. So. It's, it's very place-specific, tribe-specific, occupation-specific. Yeah, but and we're so, Gentiles. Right. We're and none when, of us. Right. And when the Gentiles were grafted into the faith of the one true God, they, too, walked by certain rules and regulations given to them by God, not for salvation, but for being able to walk pleasing to the Lord. The well, Ten Commandments I, would be— I the, believe, if you're interested in what my book says, which I think is the focus of this, I trust Jesus plus nothing. I, I never see him leading me into stealing or lying or coveting. So I'm all about the character of Christ. And for me personally, just so we're clear, I think we're clear, but I am not going to add one ounce of law to my trust relationship with Jesus. I don't I don't know anybody who's adding trust to law for salvation. Jesus is the only way to no, salvation. I'm talking for daily living. I'm talking about having begun by the Spirit. Are you now living by a human effort or law? That's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about salvation. That's a no-brainer. I think Christians are hung up on the daily living issue, mm-hmm. and I'm saying I'm going to trust Jesus for more than his blood. I'm going to trust him for his life-giving Spirit every moment of the day, and I'm not adding an ounce of Moses to that. I'll tell you what, if every Christian did nothing more, obviously salvation, but if the Christian just lived by the Ten Commandments, it would revolutionize the way this entire country functioned. No more locking your doors at night. No more children running away for disrespecting their parents. No more couples getting divorced because they were unfaithful to each other. If you just focused on the Ten Commandments alone, you would revolutionize the way this nation works. And there's no, no more way. Friday night emails, no more Saturday yard work. Wow. Keeping the Sabbath. Keeping the Sabbath Sabbath is a, is, is a blessing and a gift from God. And if you're not aware, my friend, you're going to be keeping the Sabbath in the millennial reign. Well, I'm keeping the Sabbath spiritually, like Hebrews 4 says. I'm resting in Christ because of the work he did. Okay. 
All right, so, so it's a spiritual rest for no, the people of God. It does not. not the Saturday. spiritual rest does not do away with the physical obligation. All right. Well, I had well, a mo- I had a lot more questions for you, Andrew. But yeah. uh, uh, it's an interesting book. I thank you. You know, I think it's it's worth a read for people to take a look at. But uh, you know, bottom line is there's going to be a lot of there's going to be agreement and disagreement on this. Would you agree? Oh, yeah, like even the Sabbath day thing, Paul says, I fear for you. You observe new moon festivals and Sabbath days. He says that's just a shadow. The reality is Christ. So all of this is... He is says it's a shadow of things to come. There is truth right. and revelation in those things that tell us of future things. And by denying what they are, we deny ourselves evidence of the future. All right. I got to get to a break. I got to let you go, Andrew. The book is, is out with... Uh, is it on Regen, uh, Regnery? Is that the book? Uh, the t- uh, people, yeah, the book is uh, Twisted Scripture, and people can get it today on Amazon. Um, it's awesome, and it's already in the top 300 of books. It, uh, it's hit number one in a bunch of Christian categories. We're excited about Twisted Scripture, and people can get it on Amazon. All right. Thank you very much. We appreciate you. We will catch you around the corner here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.